Hello Sword People, this is Guy Windsor, also known as The Sword Guy. I'm here today with Dana Bergen-Wyman, who is President of the New Zealand National Federation for Historical Medieval Battle and Bohort. This was a really fun conversation, and it was one of those times where the pre-interview chat segued so immediately into stories I didn't want you to miss that the usual sort of organic introduction didn't really happen. So I'm tacking this one on instead. I should also point out that this interview was conducted in December 2020, so some of the technical specifics of tournament rules may have changed a bit since then. Dana has asked me to warn you that there is an outrageous New Zealand accent coming your way. Brace yourselves, people. Okay. And do I remember rightly meeting you at the symposium in Wellington? Yes. yes. Yeah. And not only that, I was the lady who was late because the um, my um, my friends had come over to my house and gone, there's a knife on your footpath. And I went, what on earth? And all my crime scene drama watching for over many years in front of the TV, I forgot it all and picked up the knife and went, oh, good Lord, is that blood? I guess I should call the police. <laughs> <laughs> so I was late waiting for the police to arrive, which really, I mean, like it looked like a homemade sort of knife, which under normal circumstances wouldn't be anything. However, we are uh, one suburb away from the Rumataka Correctional Facility. So <laughs> it was it's sort of like, uh, and then you don't ring 111 for this sort of thing. So you ring um, another number, which is you need the police, maybe not right now, um, but when they can, sort of within a couple of hours. So, yeah, so I was talking right. to a, a nice lady in a nice stab vest about the knife I'd found <laughs> on my footpath who put it in a, a evidence bag, said, thanks, we'll contact you if you need anything. And I was like, great. And then I jumped in the car and then I came off to the Sword Symposium, which is why um, I was late. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best excuse for being late I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finding I'm just one of those people who has random sort of stuff. So when I met I met Selwyn at the door, he's like, oh, my God, because I paid for the tickets to have instruction with you. And um, he said, oh, right. you, you're, you're, you've missed the instruction with Guy. And I'm like, well, here's my story. <laughs> can, I, can I talk to him at the downtime? So, yes, you and I talked. And I said to yes, you yes. how I had followed your website because um, I was very interested in how you had kept up your motivation with uh, historical martial arts. So I was like, I was already a fan guy. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, and then there were, but you had other, you had other students and you had other, and you had other people and other things to do. So I'm surprised you remember me. Perhaps it was my story. <laughs> <laughs> now, now te technically we haven't started the interview yet, but there is no way in hell I am leaving that story out. So why don't we, <laughs> it why don't we just pretend added, we started a while ago? <laughs> okay, no, I've got a better idea. I'll just introduce you now. Um, sure. All right, so people, I'm, I am here today with Dana Bergen-Wyman, who is president of the Historical Medieval Battle National Federation for New Zealand. So that's Bohort stuff, whacking people in armour. Um, and she was a combatant for the national team since 2017. And as you just heard, we did meet at the Sword Symposium in Wellington, and I believe that was 2017. Was that correct? Uh, 2018, I think. Yeah. 2018. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, so yes, yeah, so that that's that's who goes around finding bloody knives. In the <laughs> no, they come to me, guys. They come to me. <laughs> so without further ado, Dana, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, and you know, we've just been mentioning New Zealand. Um, whereabouts are you in New Zealand? So I, Victorian I'm, people. Yeah, I, I am. I'm based in the middle of the collection of islands. I'm in the capital city, Wellington, and um, I live in a in a small suburb um, um, of um, Hiratonga in Upper Hutt. And it doesn't sort of seem like much, but. Um, Guy and you and I talked about the two other people that you're wanting to to um, to interview, which is Colin McKinstry. He lives in Lower Hutt, and then you've got um um uh, um oh no, then we've Callum. got yeah, that's right, Callum, Callum. Forbes, yeah. and he lives in Kaitoki, which means that I'm sort of five k south of one and five k north of one. So Upper Hutt and Lower Hutt seems to be this hotbed of historical martial arts. <laughs> And then New Zealand, I don't know what it is about this valley that attracts well, people. Maybe it's the prison. Perhaps, perhaps. We also have a very beautiful um, army camp here as well, which means that um, my my suburban neighbours are um, in order, the um, Trentsum Army Camp, the Trentsum Rifle Range, and then the Rumataka Correctional Facility. So uh, it's it's never a dull moment when you step outside your door because there could be, you know, like a Unimog truck uh, going past or um, people in uniform, various colours going past. Um, it's it's exciting here in Upper Hutt. <laughs> I did manage also to convince our mayor to um, do a promotional shop for me when I wanted to do some fundraising. And lo and behold, he went out and got his robe on and held the sword. And he looked like he, he, held, he held my two-handed sword and he had my gauntlets on with his dark robe on and he looked like Darth ha- uh, Vader minus the helmet. So I was like, wow, that's the effect of a robe and a chain. <laughs> <laughs> the the empire strikes back in Upper Hutt. Um, so so yeah. So it, um, I mean, it's it's a it's a nice community, and they don't mind my um, training pal out the front um, because you get your training in. It's it's anybody else who would think, oh, tires um, on a bit of stick that looks like um, some sort of urban art. No, it is my training pal, and um, I live in a cul-de-sac, which means um, when we have women's training here. We run around the cul-de-sac and the neighbours' children look at us and wave. So I, I keep I keep the I keep the um, entertainment going here in Upper Hut. <laughs> Excellent. So, so tell me about your pal. Is it is it set up so you could really hit it, or is it just for um, sort of measuring control purposes? Uh, it's set up so I can really hit it because. Um, okay. In 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 Buhurt, uh, particularly um, for the melees, so that's the that's the group activities. Uh, I'm I'm not really going. I mean, there are obviously strike zones where you don't hit. You don't hit anyone in the groin. You don't hit anyone in the foot. You also don't take anything against the rotation. That's natural rotation, so you can't do any locks or, or throws like that. But it is amount of brute force about getting your opponent on the ground because it's last person standing. So I have to. Develop develop 
for me as a polex fighter, my left side, because I'm right side dominated. So um, whenever you're doing a two-handed weapon, a long sword, um, a, a two-handed sword, a polex, um, a halberd, a badish, anything like that, you always have to be as ambidextrous as possible. So um, for me, it's I knock the tires one way and then I knock the tires the other way by switching my hands. And so that's 100 strikes a day. And so that's my minimum minimum routine apart from when it's raining because weather um and moisture and metal do not mix so um when nice. i'm when i'm not when i'm not doing my strength training i'll, I'll be doing something else so so when you're out there you're, you're using a steel-headed polax and you're beating the hell out of these tires um 100 strikes is that 100 strikes each side or 100 strikes total? It's 100 strikes total, but they've got to be really powerful strikes, which means that oh, sure. on some days it takes me forever because my mind is wandering or I'm, I'm just not concentrating, so it's really not good enough. Um, other, day, other days I'm having a rotten day and those 50 aside just blitz. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that's the that's it's so it's for it's for intent and and it's for it's for power um there are there are other training methods that i use at the um training hall that we have um which is down in lower hut my i'm very privileged that our club has actually managed to secure a training hall and we've got a bespoke list which is for for people who aren't familiar it is the um gated fenced square uh, fighting arena that um, Boohurt fights in. Um, it's it's a miniature one, so we haven't got like a full size field one. We've got a miniature one, and so you know from from there um, we've also got the hanging pals as well, and that's where I do my technical work. But at home, I, I do my I do my strength work. There's that, and also my strength work is is lifting um, my uh, falchion, which is a, a weighted sword for again for melee, um, lifting that to build up my um, my forearm muscles because what I find um, for myself is my hands are quite small so if I don't have a good grip in my gauntlets because we can't have locking gauntlets you've got to be able to drop your weapon so um, I've got to be able to hold on and I find that my strikes because they have to be done really intent and really hard um, if when I'm really tired I will let I will my hands will just let go of, of my, my weapon. Um, so even though um, getting onto the, you know, winding back with, with pals and with strikes, I also have to be really good at, um, well, actually not good. I have to be proficient at a range of weaponry because in Boohurt, um, when you drop your weapon, you're allowed to run back to your side, to your team, and they will hand you another weapon. And you don't have time with everybody chasing you to go, no, 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 don't hand me that one. I only want a two-handed. So you have to grab the first – if they, if you're not an a- proficient in an axe and you get handed an axe, well – Good night, nurse. <laughs> so you have to be at least proficient in a range of weaponry because you do not know on the day um, what you'll be handed because you know it, it's a combination of what's available, um, what what was you know what what was what was uh, you know not being used on the field at the time, and then you know what can you run back because you might not be the only team member running back. So you know they're just going to be doling out weapons, um, and you've got to turn around. You know front faces the enemy. Um, um, and, and you've got to be prepared with whatever it is, no matter what side it is, um, unless you've got a shield. And for me, I use two shields as well, which means my D6 
deltoids on my left side. It's like when you're a barista and you're like, yeah, you're you're banging the um, what are you? Well, I, I don't make coffee, but you know, you're you're bang, you know, banging that mm. thing to get out the coffee beans. Well, you know, for a shield, you just up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, punch, punch, up, down. You just have to <laughs> keep doing yeah. that. And um, yeah, so I find being right-handed dominant, I have to work out a lot on my left, which makes me as a as a physical sort of thing. It makes me sort of a bit round my shoulders, like really rounded. Like my mother has always commented that I don't walk ladylike. I walk like a bushwhacker. However, you need to walk <laughs> like a bushwhacker in this sport. <laughs> and so oh, very focused. Enough. I'm getting a medal, which is why I train at home. And it's why I, I, I do these things because I'm, I've got my medal in my head, even a bronze. I just want to win a medal for New Zealand. That's, that is what, that is my goal. Um, and so, so yeah, so, so my little, you know, my little home, it's, it's not, it's not, um, you know, the most house and garden aren't going to be invited or anything, but, um, my daughter has grown up with my weaponry around my, my husband, um, you know, uh, can pack a, can pack a weapons bag. The cats don't mind. Like it really is part of, part of our life because, um, when my husband married me, he knew that I was doing the sport. <laughs> so not only did he marry me, he married into the sport. <laughs> Bless him. And um, yeah, so, you know, we're coming up 16 years now um, for, for marriage. So I've been doing various parts of this, of, of um, medieval fighting for, for quite a long time. Obviously not at, not at this level because, again, like um, being a top fighter, um, you know, if if you're 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 a bit limited with your lifespan because there's going to be a time when I said you know, up down up down. Eventually, your elbow or your shoulder. Many many people suffer with their knees. Um, so you know there there's only so much that you can be on the field. Um, and then you go into marshalling and then you go into the the other externalities of of running the sport. You, you're still in the sport, but you're not on you're not in the list a, as much. So, um, are, so are you, yeah. Are, are you doing much in the way of sort of preventive rehabilitation for your elbows and knees and wrists and what have you? Well, for me, um, extraordinary enough, I'm fine. Um, what what happens to me is I, I get I get choked out, and I get choked out because I'm generally fending off two to three opponents at at a time. Um, but that again is my job in the list mainly is to tie up two to three people to allow my other team members to pick them off. I mean that's that is right. uh, you know like um if you're if you're thinking about other sports like I'm the fullback, I'm the back. You know like um once you get to me. You've pretty much got to the end, but I'm going to grab you and keep you <laughs> and take you down. So, um, and of course, like once they get to me, they know, ha, there's nobody else behind her. You know, let's try and take her down. So, so that's the um, that's the thing there. So, there's lots of stretches as well that you do before and after. Um, lots of joint stretches. Um, I when whenever I have been in the um, on the on the other side as a support. We go through masses of K tape, the kinesiology tape, taping up um, people's people's shoulders, um, taping up knees. Um, I have um, I have a certificate um, in um, sports massage from the New Zealand College of Massage, um, so I do know where you know, you know approximately. Like I'm not uh, an expert, but I do know where muscles and ligaments and tendons and bones should 
be. So um, I do have that knowledge and it's done me in well good stead. It's same with the team because um, having someone go, mm, I think if we do this, that will be better for you. So, so yeah, um, lots of strapping. Um, and then, of course, under under your um, you know uh, suit of armour, no matter what armour you choose, you will always have the extra protection for your neck, for your spine, for your groin, um, and then other um, fighters will have extra protection for their joints, their elbows, and their knees. Um, but um, the while the public may think that um, historical um, medieval battle is all about looking good with the aesthetics. There's a sport component to it and also the Under Armour component is very important as well. So many people wear Kevlar, extra Kevlar. Um, it's light, um, it's rigid, um, it can it can hold hold um, you know um, your spine protection very well. Um, for me also like um, in part of our prep um, you asked me about um, you know what sort of thing would you um, you know most want to give for um, women starting the sport? And for me, I have to wear a combat bra. And a combat bra is you know it's rather than something being over engineered, it's the opposite way because you never want to fight with underwire um, because when you take <laughs> a, when you take a punch with underwire, it transfers that energy, if not out to your ribs, into your sternum. So, you know, you never um, you never want to feel like you're in, you know, in danger of anything like snapping and digging into you because there are many layers to get into your actual, you know, personage. <laughs> A snapped <laughs> underwire is particularly annoying, but to get that underwire out. Yeah, but you have to like take your – your tabard off, followed by your breastplate, followed by your gambeson, followed by your undershirt, and then you can get to your bra. So, just, yeah, so I, I wear um, a combat bra, which is, um, you know, it's engineering and elastic. Um, and, and I mean proper, proper elastic. You can go running and all sorts of stuff. So that kind of soft protection um, under your armour, that's where it all starts. The other thing too about, and, and not to be silly about under armour as well as a sport, many people, you know, like they get really enthused and we have to pull them back. Don't go ordering your armour before you have your gambeson and your true. Like, oh, of course. Yeah, well, but it's it's like putting in a kitchen and ordering the appliances and then ordering the tiles and realizing that you know your microwave or your or your um, you know won't fit because it's now there's two centimeters difference. Like the you know um, you there's only so much you can sort of do with armor, particularly. I mean, splint armor is different, but um, you know um, uh, full plate armor. Like if it's not measured correctly, then it's it's not going to do you any good. And you wasted a whole bunch of money um so yeah always order your under armor first get that sorted and then you order your um your uh, plate armor um your uh, your external armor after that and i mean that's that's an expensive mistake um for some people to make um and we've seen i've, I've seen it many times over um of people doing that and then you know just so so when whenever you're going to order things as well particularly on um this age of the internet there are some vendors that aren't particularly good at asking those questions first um but you know a good vendor when they will say have you measured <laughs> With all your <laughs> under armour on, you know you've got to keep it for a vendor there. You know you've got someone who's actually knowing what, what they're doing. 
Um, so, so yeah, so, so, you know, tra- tracking back, um, from my house, um, and, and my, and, you know, what, what I do at home, um, I also do different things in, in my club with my training. Okay. Um, so what would those different things be? So you, you, at home, you're mostly doing strength training. At home. I should, I should just point out if you're interested that I have a couple of free online courses for looking after your knees and looking after your shoulders, elbows and wrists. Mm. So um, I, I'm, I'm all about the preventive training. Yeah. And there's, there's, even if you do everything correctly, wear and tear will still get you in the end. That's right. But we can, with the right preventive training, that end is actually a lot further away than it would otherwise be. So um, yeah. I'll send you a link. You can you can you can have a look and, and have a go at some of the exercises if yeah. you like. The um, um the, so the so help. that so at the club um we do um we do focus training, but with my personal trainer, um uh, I, I shopped around for a bit to find a personal trainer, and uh, the person who I've been with the longest um. I'm not sure if I can mention her name, but she is the reason why. Oh, well, she's Claudia Disney from um, uh, Basic Orange, and uh, she is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu artist. Uh, she's also um, over 50 and a woman. And so for me, she ticked the box. So whenever I talk to Claudia about some of the things I'm struggling with in a, in um, my sport, she understands because she's old. She's an older athlete. She's a female athlete and she's an athlete in a male dominated sport. Like it's different if you were talking about maybe um, cricket uh, because there are men's and women's teams or netball where it's very female dominated. So um, I, I find not only um, with, my, with my stretching exercises with Claudia and the preventative stuff, but she looks out for me for those very reasons, Guy, that she's like, okay, these are the things where you're going to get worn because she has seen athletes She's got the experience to 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 say, "Hey, I, I think you need to check this out um, for your um, for your gait because I notice it's changed, um, or your um, punching because I notice you're not holding um, your shoulders the same." So she keeps a really close eye on me with that sort of thing, and um, it's it's been a really um, so not only am I getting the benefit of a one-on-one session with her, but she knows what to look for as well. And I, um, I'm really lucky that, that um, I've got her. And the reason why I got her is because I came last in an international competition. Okay. <laughs> I came, I came dead last. And that, if that well, wasn't bad enough, to. while I was having a wee cry and I mean, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but, but, some, a, but somebody had to come last. Yeah, there was a film crew filming for a New Zealand movie called Bludgeon, the uh, okay. Orcas of the Land, and that crying and coming last made it into the movie. <laughs> oh shit! And I was like, oh my goodness, because it was it was I was first time away from from my daughter. This is the first time I'd actually travelled away from her. I'd spent so much money. And I'd done so much training. I was the shiz. I was the bomb. I was going to go in there. You know, my teammates were like, yep, you're going to own the great." And I got owned. Ah, like, oh, it was the, it was, it, and I've got to say, a, a, a little bit of it was mental. Like you just, you get there. You're not in New Zealand. So not everybody speaks English. You've, you've no had. Way. 
we're Denmark, which again is a lovely, beautiful country. Do you think I appreciated that? No, because when no. we got off the plane <laughs> and into the car, I was like, competition, competition, competition. You know, um, we're greeted by everybody, you know, got some food. I'm like, competition, competition, competition. And then afterwards, uh, beautiful castle, everything. I was like, I came last. This is terrible. I'm so embarrassed. So all the way home, I chewed on that. I chewed on that. And I figured, okay, well, this is this is it. This is this is this is the fork in the road. I either get better or I get lost. And so part of getting better was like, right, I need to do some changes here. And this is where I um, I talked to people and found Claudia um, from Basic Orange. And so when I walked in, I was like, right, I've come last. I don't want to come last again. She's like, radio. <laughs> I'll work with that. And the following year. After a year of working and having like just oh, came last, you know, how bad could it get? I then came fifth. So it's the most of, you know, so from, from last out of 18 to fifth out of 18. Pretty good. It's quite, a, quite in a, um, quite, but that's, that's the thing about suddenly I realized that what I was doing, I wasn't, I was maybe the shiz back home, but once you're out of New Zealand, you're not the shiz. <laughs> So you're always beating your next self. You're always beating yeah. your, your, you know, your. That's that's the thing. Like you're there, um, all the money, all the time that you've spent in doing the training, but you're there to you're there to beat the next thing. And so, I'm, in a way, I'm like, well, I've come last, so I've had the benefit of, <sighs> um, you know, having a what what could be the worst thing that can happen? There you go, come last. Um, I've had that and um, I never want to have that ever again because it's, while I also appreciate people who have come last, empathetically, I appreciate everyone who's come last. I'm always like, great, so have a cry, have a good one. And what are we going to do next? Like, the, you know, yeah. next, next thing, what is our next goal? What's the, what's the next thing? Um, and if the goal is this isn't for you, cool, what's your next goal? Are you going to keep in the sport, become a marshal? Are you going to become a, in a, um, like an authenticity person? Are you going to, like there's many, there are many ways of still being into historical medieval battle. Like there's still heaps and heaps of things for people to be involved in. Like the people just focus on the fighting, but really fighters, you know, you, you roll up and if there's no list and no referees, well, there's no fighting. Like that's, that's for a start. Um, and then trying to organize everything in COVID. Well, you know, <laughs> everyone's just seen how hard that is. Uh, so, you know, there, there's, there's so many factors that go into this that even if you're not a fighter, you're still valued in the sport because without you, fighting doesn't happen. Um, and then, um, you know, lots of people like to, you know, f see things. So it needs to have people film it. Lots of people like to, inter you know, like read interviews. So you've got to have people doing interviews. Um, so then being also there, not only for my own personal goal of get a, get a medal, get a medal, but a visibility as well of being a woman on the field and proving that this sport isn't just for chaps. Like there's a whole women's division. There are whole dual sets for women. Like you can, you, 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 you can participate in this sport. It is not necessarily for everybody because if you're um, underaged or you, you don't have two hands, like there's, there's you've got to be physically able. But um, if you are physically able and you have a desire to do it, um, you can. 
so there, there's also that as well when I talk to um, people, you know, kids my my daughter's age with, um, you know, like what is your goal after school? you got to have a goal because otherwise what's my goal in the sport? If you don't have a goal in whatever sport you're doing, whatever it is, why are you here? Why have you spent so much money? Why have you spent so much time? Um, you need to have a goal. And so my goal is um, win a medal for New Zealand. Don't come last again is supplementary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they kind of, the next they kind of go together. <laughs> yeah. Kind of um, and and the, the, the thing too is like um, with – with with all of that sort of tied in, you you really feel the weight of it when you're from New Zealand and you go to overseas competition because the South Pacific is a beautiful region, but it's a heck of a way away from everybody. Um, people who people who internationally who may look at the map and go, oh, aren't New Zealand and Australia the same country? No, they are not. Uh, is it the, just, Tas- I- the Tasman Sea just like the English Channel? No, it is not. No. <laughs> I got asked when I went the first time I went to New Zealand um one of my friends I forget who it was asked me whether you could drive from Sydney where I was going to New Zealand oh yeah surprise they assume assume there's a bridge right it's it's a three-hour flight (laughs) it's about 1200 miles or something yeah yeah Geography, yeah. This this was me in Ukraine. Uh trying to be um in my I mean, I don't speak Ukrainian, so you know, uh, as as careful as I could, explaining that yeah. no, New Zealand and Australia are not a domestic flight. You will need to book the bag for international for some reason. I don't know why, but our bags there was one one left off and it just happened to be my armor. <laughs> of course. But you know, you you turn on as most charming, diplomatic as possible, as well as here are some Euros that I just happened to find in my purse. Who would have thought? Can I please have this bag booked on the flight? And eventually we got there. And eventually she gave me some chocolate that was on her desk. So it was win-win. Um, my bag turned up the next day. But her system, she was trying to tell me thought legitimately that um, Australia and New Zealand were a domestic flight. (laughs) And no amount of this crazy lady looming over asking about her chocolate with her terrible New Zealand accent was going to dissuade her otherwise. (laughs) So this is actually a person who works in an airport who thinks that New Zealand and Australia are one country. Okay. Her her computer system had it like that. Wow. That's That's right. And she was having that to is, do some sort of like air booking jujitsu to make it go round. And then when she said there's an extra cost, I was like, and here is my credit card. <laughs> I would like to leave your country pretty, please. So, yeah, here we go. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, and that's – so when, when New Zealand – well, I mean, to be fair, when Australians and New Zealanders roll up to competition, we're jet-lagged as hell. And um, I know that feeling. Yeah. So, so it would be, you know, if, if I had a squillion dollars, a million squillion dollars, you know, I, I would, I would pay for us to do an, a six week acclimation. So you're not fighting jet lag. You, you at least know how to say in the local language, please. And thank you. Um, you, you at least, um, get, know the, the, the sort of, and, and you're fine with the weather pattern. Um, you've got used to the food. Uh, because I'm not saying that all food, because all food is delicious, 
But there are certain spices and tastes and all that sort of stuff. Like, again, I, I, I developed quite a hankering for remoulade in um, Denmark. And when we went to Legoland in Denmark, um, you know, there was, the, there was the chips that were made out, that were they're pressed into little Lego pieces, but I just covered them in remoulade. Oh. Like, yum. <laughs> um, and so, so all, of, all of that stuff. And so then we can go and, and take the field fully refreshed, like actually up yeah. to 100% of our physical, well, you know, so a fighter is never at 100%. I mean, let's just keep it straight. Sure. You always have something niggling that you would have done in training or your mind is a kafuz. It is very rare that a hundred that a, a fighter steps into the list at 100% capacity. There is always a thing. There's always a something um, covered in K-tape or you had an extra strap or something. So, um, you know, it would be nice for once, for the New Zealand team not to be sleep deprived as all heck. There was one memorable time actually with, um, because the, again, like we're talking like you're sometimes 20 hours in the air and not all at once. You're 20 hours oh, over yeah. several, several airports um, where, yeah. you know. It takes, it takes me 30 hours to get to New Zealand. That's, that's right. That's right. So, you know, you're, you've been um, in an airport carpet because you know you don't have money for a, a beautiful lounge or anything because you already spent everything you have on baggage allowance or you're in the pedal the plane to flap the wings seat because again <laughs> you're, you're wanting to try and get everything through um, the customs and stuff so um, you know we we arrived absolutely sleep deprived however one year the New Zealand team found that they arrived to have some rules that had been changed while they were in mid-air and some of their weaponry when they got to the competition was out <laughs> Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's like, oh, my word. That is not fair. Last year. That is at, not um, fair. Last year at the um, um, uh, for for it was the International Medieval Combat Federation. So that's that's the um, other world champs. Um, our New Zealand chap um, stood by. He took a um, he he honourably stood outside the list and greeted his opponent because his opponent arrived on the Friday for his fight on the Saturday and his opponent's armour arrived on the Sunday. Oh, shit. So then again, you arrive, but your gear may be a day behind you. <laughs> like, what do you do? So so New Zealand uh, forfeited, but because they shook hands and everybody knew what was going on, but that's that's what happened. Um, so, so, yeah, so a lot of stuff what people are looking at on YouTube and things, they're like, oh, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? For a start, we're hot. We don't know what, what language we're being talked at, which is just lovely, which is which is nice sometimes because then you listen for your English calls. But we're tired as all hell. We're discombobulated. And we're worried that our gear that sometimes may have arrived just that day um, has not been um, you know, fully put on us. Some sometimes, I um I got knocked out in Italy um in 2018. I um I I was medicked off. Thank you very much for the medical staff, but they cut my armor off me, and oh. that's because they had a medical emergency. There, they had someone who was throwing up. <laughs> And they needed to get that person out of that suit of armor as quickly as possible. You can see, yeah, very quickly. Yeah, um, and, yeah. and then I, I went off um, um, from, um, from the event in an ambulance um, prone 
um, uh, lying down backwards to to Rome, and it was the person who was um, in the front ambulance. Uh, he said that um, the ambulance got up to 125k an hour at some stage. Anyway, I was still throwing up in the back of the ambulance because now I was seasick. Uh, got to right. the got to the hospital. Um, they checked me out. They they did you know they they resurrected me. Fantastic. They gave me a clean bill of health. Out I walked in my undergarments, in my medieval undergarments, looking like I'd just been dragged through a bush. I had to make a call to my mother to say, hey, I'm fine. Whatever you read in the media, everything's fine. Then the following day, I get into the battle bus because we drove from Italy through um, uh, up to France. We did the Asian Corps um, Museum. And the, the people at Asian Corps were like, uh, you're not a school group. What are you? We're like, we're, we're medieval enthusiasts. Please, may we have full <laughs> tickets to the museum. Raided the, um, the gift shop, went um, uh, over the channel um, to England, drove up to Scotland. And then when I arrived after five hours sleep, that's when I said to my squire who was up there, because one, one set of people went home and I met the other set of people. And I'm like, so about my armor. And that's when we opened my bag. And she was like, oh my God. And so we had 12 All hours. All the straps have been cut. That's right. And so we had 12 hours to, because to, then I was fighting the next day. Like, boom, 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 boom. That's that's so you know we so then you know everybody stayed up to to help me uh, strap things you know because they're strapping and then there's fitting like it's yeah. it's like a it's it's like a ball gown every time like you can be you can have straps on but you still need to have everything fit correctly fitted yeah. and then, um, get a bit of sleep throw a bit of breakfast down you and then you're off to the castle and off you go and fight <laughs> so yeah, you know that's. that's so it means that last so last year when I was in Serbia and again like I had to be I had to be taken off because bless my um, bless my English compatriots because they speak English I know what they were doing they were like choke her out choke her out <laughs> like damn you <laughs> everybody else can be speaking other languages I have no idea but I do I do guess what they're doing because I'm like ah so yeah um, they um, the first, the what I begged was please please do not cut my armor and. Um, a friend of ours who was there, I was begging her in English to tell the people for, for Russian. And the the Russian medic was, of course, we would not cut your arm. I was like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so the Russians, they do not cut armor. Italians, off it comes. <laughs> and and that's just what you have to that's what you have to deal with. It is it is the it is the unknowns at tournaments about about what will happen to you, with you, from you, about you. I also was standing there again in Serbia um, waiting for my time at Polax and I had my mouth guard out of my mouth because I was talking to my people and I held it in my hand and we heard, my, my friend and I heard this splotch and we looked up to see a flock of birds take flight from oh, across no. the background. I looked down. At my mouth guard. Oh, no, no, and no, I had no, no. Poo in my mouth guard. To my, to my left was my national flag. <laughs> to my right was my squire, and I and and we didn't have much water. I was like, "What do I do?" So, washing it and and trying to trying to um you know uh, clean it with the underside of my my shirt my. 
Meanwhile, my um, USA um, uh, opponent was in stitches because she had witnessed the whole thing. So she kindly let me clean my mouth guard off before I could put it in my mouth. But what a random set of circumstances. Like no etiquette book in the world prepares you for that. Like what do you do when you have your national flag handy and you hazardly have bird poo in your mouth guard? (laughs) So... It was the it was the, the craziest thing. But um the the historical medieval battle, you may wonder, well, why is she wearing a mouth guard? Because everything is sport optimized. Yeah, you get hit in the face. You get hit in the face. That's why we've got two straps in our um all of our helmets. We've got all of the Kevlar underneath as well as all of the things. Like it does look like you're we're wearing that's right, because you're going to get hit okay. with force and intent. And you're gonna get thrown. Getting thrown Do you really get off that? Bit is getting up is the hard bit. Over and over and over again, getting up over and over and over again is the hard yeah. bit. Yeah. Particularly in armor. Yeah. The extra weight doesn't help. But and, do, you, and, do you really get asked why you would wear a mouth guard? I mean, to my, how on earth would anybody go onto the field to get hit like that without a mouth, mouth guard? That makes no sense. Well, I mean, it's like, why do you wear a mouth guard in, in rugby? It's the, it's the same, it's the yeah. same thing. In fact, the yeah, my, my, yeah, my mouth guard is made for me by the dentist. It's a fitted, proper mouth guard because I still have a baby tooth in my mouth. So it's okay. either a, um, a $200 mouth guard or it's a $6,000 bill because once this baby tooth comes out, the rest of my teeth are going to fall into that gap. So, you know, uh, it's, it's once I spell the economics out to people, they're like, oh, okay. But then other people, they just trust the, you know, the, the, the helmets will, will do their thing. But there are other people like myself who don't trust that just the helmet will be enough. Um, uh, but again, the safety aspect of it is you have to have all of these things before you're allowed on the field. Like you have, like the marshals will check you, like they will not let you. Mm. Just go. They will not just look at you and go, "Oh, you're fine." No, they will lift your helmet. They will check your wrists for your for your gauntlets. They will they will um, you know do a discreet look. You know, uh, do you have your harness on properly? Like things aren't going to just flap around. Your pauldrons aren't going to like spring off or anything. Are your sabatons done up? I mean, again, remember we're in a rush. We're we're yeah. mentally we're mentally rushed. Our people are mentally rushed. We're sleep deprived, um, and because if you once you get the call, it will always be um, you know uh, country A, country B onto the list, country C, country D prepare. If you aren't dressed and fully armoured by that prepare bit, you're in deep trouble because you never know if country A and country B are going to go the full time. Will will they will they time out or will it just be two rounds uh, instant victory? Okay, next lot off you lot on, and you've got three minutes to get there, and then your country forfeits. So um, you know we've been we've been getting geared up for for a good hour and a half, and it's amazing what things get missed. I mean, I now understand you know like why there's with, with you know the, um, the the racing when the people come into the pits and there's so many people yeah. doing stuff. I now get it because. You know, if if everybody's specialised and you know that you do that one thing, great. 
But once you've got one person to look over you and they've got a whole team of other people and, and New Zealand doesn't, we travel very lightly with support staff because not everyone can afford to go. So the fighters yeah, pour everything, yeah, pour everything in. But support, if we're not lucky enough to have support given to us by a host team or friendly people or other New Zealanders that are living in the countries about where we're fighting, um, that's it. We, we sort of, everybody who's not fighting helps um, and everybody who's who's in support they may have a fight later on that afternoon so then even then their mind may not fully be on checking things and um, it's just a human it's a human nature thing um, but again this is what you practice with an event um, people when when I come back to New Zealand, people say, "How was your holiday?" I'm like, "It was not a holiday." holiday? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> and and I have never known a New Zealand team not to get on the flight home and absolutely coma out without fail. We yep. all go to sleep, absolutely all yep. of us, because we are exhausted. It's it's not just the physical getting up early or going anywhere or anything like that. It is the mental toll of just being on the whole yep. time um and and so so yeah so this is this is what maybe people don't understand about historical medieval battle because it doesn't look as polished maybe as um some other um historical um medieval combat <laughs> like it doesn't look as fine but it's not supposed to it's been sport optimized to hell which is great and awesome if you like that it's just a different flavor same same jelly bean different flavor um but it's it's there's the there there are many ways many things you have to go through i mean now now for for romania next year they're asking us for a medical certificate and they're gonna um have us do a pcr test even before we're allowed in the event pcr pcr test is the test for covid um 19 okay Okay. Yeah, they're, they're the the rapid response ones. So you know that's right. um, nobody's taking any chances anywhere. Um, you know the the landscape of you know rolling up and having all your armor is just one thing. Now you give a medical certificate before you even leave these shores to say that you are healthy and well and not carrying anything, um, and uh, your medical results are, are fine before you're even allowed to leave. Um, there's the other added thing for New Zealand. Zealand um, with COVID-19 wears a quarantine. I'm not sure if it will still be in force next year, but we're looking at maybe two tournaments next year, one in Poland um, in May and one in Romania. The big, the big one is Romania in July. So uh, theoretically, potentially, I could be travelling to May, uh, travelling to Poland in May if it's still on, if it's still happening, quarantining, and then travelling to Romania if it's still on, if it's still happening, and then quarantining again, and it's not just me; it's the rest of the, the rest of the people as well. You know, that's a significant time away from our families, away from our jobs. And you think, oh well, yeah, it's a sport; you chose this. There's that aspect as well. So no one's really going to give you a like unless we get funding or um, a generous handout. You know. Um, patron of the violent arts needed very much so we were you know even even if just to pay for our excess baggage would be just just anything we really do rely on the community so it's a it's a significant um 
it's a significant uh, uh, commitment, not just in your training, but in your time um, and, and in funds to, to do this at a top level. Um, we're, there, are, there are many small events in New Zealand, which are just fantastic, grassroots events to introduce people, but they're always, they're mostly held as conjoined events. Like there's one, there's one um, coming up next weekend in um, Palmerston North, it's the Manawatu Armoured Combat. They are holding an event as part of a powerlifting, like the Strongman event. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay. But you see, that crowd is all about it's all about um, training as well. So there's like the audience that would come a natural to one of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so it's it's very it's it's a it's a crowd that that would the the Venn diagram would be that crowd. Um, we just had the um, uh, the national qualifiers for Romania for the jewels, and that was held at the Big Boys Toys event and. Uh, Auckland, which was a large event. However, the day before, um, there was a suspected community outbreak. And so the crowd that we normally would have got was diminished. Um, but nevertheless, on we forged, you know, like you just, you just got to put, unless they cancel the event, on we go. You show up and do it. That's yeah. right, because that was that you know we've we've made well we've travelled all the way. It's three day event. Um, you know we're committed because if you don't do it, you don't qualify, and if you don't qualify, you can't you know just roll up and join the team and go howdy fellas, I'd I'd like to represent New Zealand. It doesn't work like that. So you know there's there's all of these steps. Um, so you know we we're committed. We we had to make this um regardless of what else may be may be going around. Um, and so that crowd is again all about into extreme sports because that's where they have the motorbikes and and the cars and stuff so <laughs> that crowd is all about a spectacle so uh, again there there are different ways of people to be introduced to this um, we've got um, one of the guys who just recently joined our club he's from New Caledonia so he came over because he got a job here in New Zealand and he was looking on Facebook and that's where he found the club so there's also a need to create clickable content which is on us to do because nobody wants to see people you know really tired like you've just fought three rounds you know we just the uh, uh, HMB uh, historical medieval battle I must say looks good first round <laughs> okay <laughs> second round and then third round it's just hammer and tongs because that last round it's take no prisoners. I mean, I, I have done duels where I've gone five rounds with people. And, you know, five rounds of two minutes doesn't seem like much. But when you're, no, stand, when you're standing there in the corner, it's like, are they going to tell you to take your helmet off? No, there's the mental stuff in there. Right, another round. And, you know, that's the last round. And you go back and you're like, no, she and you got the same points. Right, you have to go, like, it'll be this round. <laughs> and so it's, it's the mental stuff. I mean, I've had my people bribe me with candy like Scooby snacks, <laughs> just one more round and you get this maple candy. Cause again, I'm very goal orientated. I'm like a Labrador. And so, you know, there, there's the must get a, must get a medal, must get a candy. Um, but that's, that's what gets you through. And, and I've also made some very good friends in the sport of historical medieval battle because you've just laid everything out on the line like you've just spent the last you know um 60 seconds punching this woman in the face and she just will not go down you need to be friends with this person so you know uh, um i've been introduced to many um 
beverages. Uh, um, I believe it's called uh, liquid diplomacy um, afterwards um, uh, for, for battles. And, you know, you may not speak the same language. You kind of hit on English as a bit, but it's always, you always like to talk about the fight you just had. It's like any good role-playing session. I pulled a six and then you wrote a natural 20. Oh my goodness. Mm. It's like, I did this and I thought the round was over. And then you, it's like you, you instantly have a bond with a person. Um, and then also you can bond over, remember the time when it rained and we all just had to go on the list. Well, there's also the other times, remember when it blew so hard that one side had dust in their faces, like it just got caught in your helmet, like the whole time. And you just have to forge on because it's an outdoor sport. I mean, this is, this is the realities of, um, uh, you know, working in armour. The next thing about working in armour is that your undergarments take up your sweat. So you get heavier yes. as the and stinkier as the competition goes on because, you know, organizing an event, laundry facilities are never around. So, yeah, you know, sure. day, day four and you're feeling more and more medieval when you get up, brush your teeth, have breakfast, <laughs> and you can whistle and your gambeson pants will walk to you. <laughs> They're just <laughs> stiff with sweat. And, but you're uh, all yeah. this way and you know that this is what, this is what, you're, you're entering in you're going to do this you know there's nobody else from New Zealand here it's it's you um, this is what you've come all this way for there is a joy in that but it's it's not a holiday it's definitely not a holiday definitely um, not a holiday no, it's not a ho- I mean I have seen beautiful like Romania was absolutely beautiful driving through but again all the time that I'm that I'm I'm not because um, I drove uh, when we're in Spain I drove off the opposite side of the road and oh gosh it's not for me no thank you I would rather be driven um, because in New Zealand for people who don't know we drive on the left side of the road um, so everywhere we go as, as sensible people do <laughs> If it's not England or Australia or Japan, everything else, I'm like putting my foot on a brake that does not exist. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh my goodness. So um, yeah, beautiful countryside. Um, it, it was it was it was lovely. And and going through Romania, um, we went up because um, last year it was Serbia and Romania, and in between that, sorry, Serbia and um, Ukraine, and in between that country is Romania. And so we went Serbia and then travelled to the top of Romania, which is a province you may have heard of. It. It's called Transylvania. So we were tourists, and it was amazing, and it was gorgeous. And there's actually a UNESCO pottery site. So I. I sent pottery back. Um, Excellent. That's <laughs> all the while doing the whole Dracula thing, and then we then we drove down and fought in Ukraine, and then we went home. Um, so again, beautiful, lovely countryside. But all the time in the back of my mind was, "You're going to fight. You're going to fight. You're going to fight. You've got a competition. You're going to fight. Do you really need to eat that? Will you be, you know, will you be too hungover to da 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 da? There was there was those yeah. things too. In Romania as well, we saw the Tesla Museum, which I encourage everybody else to to do that. But take earmuffs because Tesla was a um, a fantastic uh, chap. Lots of lots of great ideas, but. Boy, is that museum noisy when they turn everything on. Woo-hoo! Never, <laughs> and it makes your teeth rattle like this huge conductor. So, um, yes. A- a- earmuff and a mouth guard. And a mouth guard. Thank goodness I have both. I have a helm and, and a mouth and, guard. <laughs> yeah, earmuff and a mouth guard. And a ma- make sure the mouth guard does not have bird poo in it before you continue. Oh, well, you know, all the best mouth guards do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so what, what effect has. Corona had on your your actual training. Uh, New Zealand is a bit different to the rest of the world, but 
Yes and no. Um, so New Zealand is a bit different to the rest of the world that we, when we're in winter, everybody else is in summer. So, um, you know, from the, um, because being, being president, I um, attended the General Assembly, which is online, which is great because, uh, which, which is like the annual general meeting of the entire uh, sport with the representatives um, done through Historical Medieval Battle International Association, HMBIA. Um, normally, you would fly to the place and that's where you would attend. But this year, it was online. And so Boohurt League, um, they had something like 65% of their um, events just flat out cancelled um, sure. and it's it's not just uh, events being cancelled it's events that would have been on you know the logistic company has gone under the catering company has gone under the you know the um, the train lines aren't operating so even if you were perhaps healthy and well there may not be an event to travel to ne- next time so so while while that was going on up there in summer down here in winter, um, my um, club, we did um, no tra- hashtag no training, no excuses. And so we, um, um, uh, our um, people did small um, uh, exercises at home and we shared them um, and we, um, we we followed along. And they were doing things, you know, like we, if you don't have barbells, lift your helm because your helm gets heavy after five reps of <laughs> 10 arm curls. Um, you know, just sit-ups, press-ups, just just keep active. So that was the whole point of don't give up, keep active. No matter what you do, just keep active. Um, and so now uh, up north are in their, then they're winter, you know, coming into winter months. And so we're coming into summer, which would have been event after event after event. Um, and so the events have been delayed or, or cancelled. So um, in a way, this is our opportunity for New Zealand to get into the international association uh, news and I have made use of that because I'm very proud of my people um, I'm very proud of the the HMB New Zealand community um, there is a, a lot of things that um, we um, have not been doing well and we've really improved like um, we've had insurance imposed on us for example they um, they upped our um, excess for it was like 250 bucks mm-hmm. every time you made a claim now it's a thousand dollars like just simple things like that, and of course, an insurance claim um, comes when you know there there are people who are not in the community on site. For example, a camera crew, <laughs> and th- oh, you know because no. again, we're yeah. uh, uh, um, all of our weapons and armor are consumable because they break. See under axe head flies off and smashes into something heading like it just it there there are things that can happen and 2020 is not the year where you go we've never made an insurance claim why would we now (laughs) it's just it's like a red rag to a bull you just you just don't chance it so you know we've 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 upped our um we've upped our fees we've we've upped our um uh, our authenticity with we've upped our safety um, rigs like all of these things that we're like okay now it's now it's what we're what we're starting to do so we you know we have official um, quali- you know we've got official qualifications um, we've got open tournaments now and 
uh, everything there, uh, you know, authenticity can be blended a bit, but safety is always paramount. And so we've got also agreement for our code of conduct about being a good sports person. We've got all of these things now. So, you know, my, my community has really done some, some really good work and just figuring out what makes a good sport and what would encourage others to, to come in. Because again, the South Pacific is a long way from everybody. So we kind of get a bit insular and we don't meet to, but it's we don't get many visitors and we don't have enough money to go visiting. And when Australia can't visit us and we can't even visit Australia, I mean, heck, poor old Australians trying to do their national qualifications, they can't even cross state lines, some of them, because of the, the lockdown. So at least New Zealand, we've had regional lockdowns, but it hasn't been opposed upon the country the whole whole lot. So, you know, we've, we've taken the opportunity, so Corona has given us the opportunity to go, okay, we need some systems here. Starting off with a website, like we haven't had, we haven't had a website, and the website is boohurt.co.nz. Um, seems really, really simple, but anybody who okay. ever does anything technical knows that there's one thing to go, let's do a thing, and then there's the technical of let's redirect a domain and <laughs> let's have all these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you know, I managed to secure funding from sporty.co.nz, and they are the platform that do um, community and school sports. That's what they do. Didn't even know. So, um, and they're they're promoted by um, the um, New Zealand Rugby Federation and Sports New Zealand. My next thing is actually getting Boohurt HMB and and HMBIA um, recognised as a sport in New Zealand. So that's the next thing. I've been um, having um, wee talks with um, people that I know you know, pre pre the election, pre the New Zealand election, um, with um, the sports ministers like, hello, <laughs> hello, we're a sport and we represent New Zealand. Just even getting the category listed as a thing that people can search on is actually quite a thing. But I figured if yeah. marching and curling can be in there so can we we come under the combat sports like karate and tai chi i mean if they're sports we're sports so this is me trying to, again this whole a rising tide lifts all boats like i'm trying to do this so the whole community can benefit i mean not everybody needs to belong to h and b and z but by gum i will make sure that our sport is recognized and it helps everybody else i mean we we don't need to have a flash campaign um, for for I think it would help. However, you know, if we, we do have people at least, you know, looking on the website and can see that there are clubs in New Zealand that they can join, that they know have a code of conduct, they know they will um, always treat everyone with respect. That's fantastic. Um, and then you go into the sport aspect of it because like perhaps show jumping and things like you've got to have a horse and tack, right? Well, in this sport, you have to have soft kit, which costs. So that's your undergarments. And then you've got to have training stuff, which costs, but clubs mostly provide that. Then you've got to have your own kit. It's consumable. And this is what people find difficult to understand about our um, sport is that everything breaks. My titanium armor for big boys toys, for example, I broke my titanium knee. And you're like, gee whiz, how did you break a knee? Well, I'm 120 kgs with my armor on. And when I'm wrestling with two other people and I get slammed down, their breaks a titanium knee. But my knee in the in that titanium is perfect, fine. Didn't I came right. off with a few bruises. But where do so you find 
that's did its job. But now I have to find titanium and I have to find a new knee. I mean, this is the the next thing of, um, you know, they, you can't just wander down to the, you know, the warehouse or farmers or a local shop. <laughs> it's got to come from overseas. It's it, everything has to come. Generally, if if it's um, even if people make stuff locally, the materials have to come from overseas. I mean, this is this is the cost of stuff, which is why in Serbia last year, I rolled up with the picture of the person I was buying armor from, and I was saying, "Do you know this man? Do you know this man? Do you know this man?" To every Russian person I could say, they were like, "Net, net." Duh. I'm like, take me to him because that was the person I was picking my armor off. So there's the trust level that I had given money over and I was going to meet a Russian guy in a field and he was going to give me titanium, which by the way, was made by Armour Moskova and it fit me perfectly. So they had like, we're, we're half a world away, like, you know, half the globe away. They had done such an amazing job. Um, but it meant that just in case somehow I was sucked into a scam or there was something late, I actually traveled with my old armor set. So for a bit of the time there, I was traveling around, remember we did the Serbia, Romania, and then Ukraine, with two armor sets. I mean, I do not travel lightly. It's like a kitchen sink, and just in case that one breaks, and spare kitchen sink. And remember I said I'm a poleaxer? Polexes yeah. do not telescope. Oh, I have a no. ski bag which skis until they go through the the wee machine, and then you ask me about it, and then you say sporting equipment. Whenever you're in an airport, you say sporting equipment. Never say the W Eppen word ever because that's ever. the fastest way to um, come to the uh, unwanted attention of security. So, and well, then we I, have, I also use theatrical theatrical equipment. Wow. Yeah, no, I'm, my stuff is far heavy. Yeah. yeah, I'm like Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones. Uh, and then when you come back in New Zealand, suddenly they're like, everything's made of wood. But I have the, the local Wellington Woodworkers Guild, which are a, a bunch of people who are fantastic. They generally um, uh, support the Cancer Society by making wig stands um, and then they do creative things with with chairs and tables and all sorts of stuff. And so they actually help me with my axe halves um, and my pole axe halves by not only um, shaping them, because remember I've got small hands, so when I go overseas, uh, nothing, nothing ever fits my grip. They shaped it to my grip and it's also in a D shape. Flat goes towards the enemy because yeah. I've got no time to look through my helm to see if the striking edge of the weapon is facing towards my opponent so I know I can just twist it in my hands with the flat. Then they also gave me the paperwork to say that it's made from the ah. pseudo Acacia Robinia in New Zealand and Upper Hutt. Here's all the stuff. And so there I had this like magical scroll of like, no, it's from New Zealand and it's been treated and all that sort of stuff. But when you're traveling overseas, nobody cares about that, but they want to know, no. do you have anything ticking? When you come back. <laughs> yeah, but when you come back to New Zealand, um, they, we always surrender our shoes because while a list is um, a fighting arena. We fight on sand, Field. so um, it is. It is you know like particles. There's no way you can clean it. So just you 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 immediately bag your shoes up. Um, you don't you don't walk around outside of camp with with your town shoes. You you walk inside of camp with your with your um, uh, medieval shoes on. You bag those up and you give them. And five minutes later they've cleaned. But if you don't declare it, you're in a world of trouble. An absolute world of trouble. Uh, so yeah. 
Wow. I'm going to make you really jealous, right? Normally when I travel, and I may be gone for like two or three weeks, um, I uh, I normally carry a single eight kilo bag. And that's it. My, that is my, because everywhere I go, there are swords. Yeah. And, and almost all the time I'm just teaching. So I don't need my fencing kit because I'm not going to have the opportunity to fence anyway. So I'm, I, I, you know, I just borrow a sword when I get there and that's it. Yep. And so I'm just carrying like my, my hand luggage and eight kilos, one bag, hand luggage only. No, New Zealand in the back, no problem. So, yeah. you know, I, I, and I got this idea when I was at this uh, event in Italy many years ago and a colleague from the States rocked up and he was teaching knife combat. And, you know, I'd kind of lugged an enormous fencing bag into the hall and he kind of comes in with this tiny little wheeled um, <laughs> airline bag. Uh, nice. And then, and then, and then he, then he pulls out a couple of rolls and he has a loner knife for everyone in his 30 person class. And he manages manages to get all of that into into something the size of a briefcase. It's like Amazing. I am teaching the wrong that da- you can't do that with long swords. Thirty no. long sword, that's that's yeah, not not possible. So I, I I thought you know what I I need to get to a point where I don't have to travel with enormous bags because they are a pain. You can you okay. can look you can look down the concourse of an of an airport and you can see when I'm turning because I sweep children. <laughs> All people like, oh, like it, it's like my turning circle with this, like beep, beep. <laughs> and, um, you know, we, we plastic wrap um, our shields to the front of our bags um, as well as as well as secure them. So, you know, we, we go through meters of that plastic wrap stuff, not yeah. because we're, you know, precious about it, but we're, we're, how can you fit a 1v1 shield in your bag um, and, and still one it? So- Oh, so it's well, one, one v one. So, yeah, so it's um, it's a dual category of sword and shield, which is one ver- person versus one person. Oh, okay, okay. And then my punch shield is different because that's for boo hurt, and it's shaped like a kite, except the the pointy end has been cut off because again, sport everything is right. sport optimized, and that's where I can punch because it can't fit through people's people's eye slots. And, uh, you can knock a person back, and then um, if it, you're not allowed to punch them in the neck, but if you do, it should be enough that it does not actually go through. To their, yeah, because they 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 are now we we are we are now required to wear gorgets, um, or have our aventails actually secured to um, our um, our armor down. So again, like um. There's there's the there's the sport aspect of this that keeps developing. Um, there's a there's a new category um, coming out as well that they they told us about it um, at the um, general assembly. It's a new full plate harness dual category. So for a start, anyone who could afford full plate, oh my goodness, they're gonna look amazing and they're gonna make huge clanking noises when they go in. Yeah. Um, it's the Battelle de Lions category. So you've got like a figurine on your head and you've got um, rondelles like um, clay or wax. I'm not sure what they're gonna be um, either side of your shoulders. And um, yeah, you've got f- you best, out of, best out of three rounds to try and break the figurine or smash the the rondelle these these little figure you know like breakable rondelles of your opponent um and i believe it's either timed or five strikes or less so you know these are these are going to be tank you know you know this this category will be you know the fully tanked but also um you know it's going to be fast so you've got to be 
either incredibly swift or um, incredibly agile. So, you know, there here are these plate sort of stuff, but you've got to be able to move your torso and head because you've got these figurines and stuff. So that's going to be interesting next year. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, but the the other dual categories, you know, there's, there's, there's the sword and shield, sword and buckler, long sword, pole arm, and then there's the triathlon category, which is the, the top three placement people of Sword and Shield, Sword and Buckler and Longsword are invited to do the triathlon category. Um, and that is um, one round of Sword and Shield, one round of Sword and Buckler and one, one round of, of Longsword. Um, and for H&B, the, my polearm category, we have a rope or a chain between us um, and then there are um, penalty zones so you can't you can't if you you can you can either outstrike your opponent or you can out push her so she goes out of the out of the penalty zone for a count of five and you get a water points now that's for the HMB category um, for for um, the Battle of the Nations and the IMCF which is the International Medieval Combat Federation there are no barriers so for there you push you push your opponent and you outstrike and outpush her. So um, so even in my seemingly, oh, you don't get to invited to be triathlon. No, because whenever I'm I'm doing polex, I there are two there are two ways of fighting depending on what world championships you're you're going to. So we have flexibility there um, in the polex um, uh, dual division. Um, and then wow. from from there, there's um, the WMFC, which is the um, uh, it's called Profite, and it's a combination of HMB and the mixed martial arts. So you are you're a one v one opponent, and I'm not because I'm not a pro fighter. So now this is me just trying to remember that there are a range of weapons that you can have. However, when an opponent is grounded, you're allowed to wail on them for t- ten seconds. So that's the MMA. So they're on. So they're lying on the thing. ground, and you can keep hitting them for ten seconds. That's right. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, so there's, you know, there's that. Um, uh, HMBIA want to establish an HMB Academy um, with approved, um, you know, an approved standard system for training. Uh, for HMB athletes, so so that's the that's the other thing as well. Like trying to get a regional academy, it's a again you're hearing as a president all of these things I've got planned. Um, plus um, HMB soft kit, which is you've got the helmet, the torso, um, the 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 kind of they're not really gauntlets, they're not really mittens, but they're sort of like a hoof design for HMB soft soft sword, soft shield, and so that not only is to encourage uh, people who are underage, so so under sixteen, under eighteen, um, to come in, but also people who may not want to, like they may want to fight, like adults, but are not too keen on getting hit, being in full armor. So is this really for you? This is starting off. So as an entry point there. So um, I know you know for for my club, Feleg, we we have these things. We have the soft kit, and we're getting some more into the country. Um, and then there's um, the HMBIA, um, so the International Federal Association. There's the app. It's called IUDEX, and that when you're waiting in line for your groceries and things, you can go through and you can look up the rules, and they're going to be um, introducing more content um, with videos, so you can see training things, what's in, what's out, what to look for. Um, okay. So yeah, so we've even got we've got an app, um, and then. Um, 
for to increase women's participation as well, they're releasing uh, she fights, and so um, the hashtag she fights and the hashtag we are HMB, um, and not only to attract women fighters. So here's where we come into my category: retain women fighters, because mm. there's one thing to be a fighter with the normal job uh, time family but as a woman like nobody ever asks my male um teammates where are their children (laughs) (laughs) like no nobody yeah like i didn't just like breed by myself (laughs) um you know there, there there's this added bit too and then plus you know, and and while I'm not going to get into is the gender pay gap exists or not, it's just a reality that you know many of our women fighters don't earn as much as the guys. So trying to save up for the exact same ticket to do the exact same fight takes you a little bit longer, a little bit more um, uh, time, and so we are reliant a little bit more on the community to do that. And then there's the whole as well. Um, uh, cultural uh, lens um, that while there's a big discussion there about, well, should women be participating in combat sports full stop? So there are some people who actively oh, like God's they, sake. they should not be on the field. It is not ladylike or anything. Yeah. Um, so so, they're, so they're, you're, you're going through, you're fighting all of those and they are an overt and in subtle ways. Um, The overt way is like, look, you know, I actually might have just put some money towards the guys because I think they're going to meddle rather than you. So there's that. Um, Or they, um, look, we we don't really have enough um, people who are interested in watching women's fights. They're not as good. And the reason they're not as good is because women don't get the opportunities to fight. Sometimes you roll, like, for example, at a very recent tournament, one one woman fighter rolled up and she had no one to fight with because her other opponent couldn't make it. Now, for the guys, they roll up and there are seven of them to choose from. So there is there is the and and while while there is the you know the same opportunities given to everyone, not everyone can take them up at the same time. And then what we also find um, with women's um, uh, participation in the sport, there's not this incremental, it goes in leaps and bounds. Whenever there's a tournament and women can participate, the experience, like the experience level goes up, but the actual everyone gets so much better um, by by magnitudes. It's 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 incredible. Um, and then the the videos are shared and and picked apart because there's not many. So you find ways of you know getting getting around your opponent much quicker. But then if there's no other opponent, who are you going to fight with? Like this is the, the thing that stagnates women's um, participation because they don't they run out of opponents very quickly. I see that in MMA as well. Like I remember when Ronda Rousey was like the the biggest thing, and then Holly Holm came along. But then after that, like then we're up to like Cyborg, and so I'm I'm looking at that thinking this is what happens with H and B as well. Like this this is what happens to me as a female fighter. Then you get to well you can just fight with the guys. Which is awesome to a point, because there's the you're all you know you're it's consensual. So so you both you both 
coming into the list. But then um, there's the whole, again, cultural lens of I'm hitting a woman, even though she's dressed like me. There's um, the power to um, punch ratio as well. Um, you know, women, you know, have skills, men have skills, but that doesn't matter when it's you're up to opponent versus opponent and you could be outclassed by weight. I mean, that's simple physics. Um, so, and then with experience, he's generally had more opponents than you. So you're generally the less experienced fighter. But if you are the more experienced fighter um, and as a woman, you've got more to lose because, uh, you know, here, here is this new guy off the track who's only had a couple of fights. You've been in it for years. If you lose to him, everyone's going to go, ah, oh, woman sucks. So, like, there is never, you know, and we do this in training, but we're always very clear training is training you are beating yourself but we don't do it um uh and and we don't mix divisions and events in proper tournaments because of this very reason like it's there's this unfair dynamic because women simply do not get enough experience however and i say this with a big however for big boys toys we created a uh, it's called a 2v2 event and it had a respawn so it was and this is where you know follow come with me on the journey. It was a combination of jewels, so 1v1, and boohurt. And part of it was to give the woman more experience and also put on a show for um, the crowd. Um, so what it was is that it would be one man and one woman. That was team one versus one man and one woman. That's team two. You scored points by not only throwing your opponent, so that's boohurt, but hitting them. That's the, That's the... That's the 1v1, the um, uh, dual aspect. When you were thrown, you got to get up and run back to your corner, wait for the count of five, and you respawned. Because normally at Boohurst, uh, you watch it down, that's, that's it. So, um, And then if you, were, if you were to do a sub, men could sub out for men, women could sub out for women. So you were always having one man and one woman on the team. That's a great idea. And it, and it, while while it wasn't a um, you know like a um, a fully formed because it's still an alpha testing, it really is to do trial by combat conditions. To just it's fast. It was really fast paced because. But again, the hardest bit for me was getting the hell up because what throwing that's fine, staying up that's fine. Getting up really quickly, like you were just scrabbling. You were you were scrabbling as fast as you could because then you know the marshals would count put a put a hand on your shoulder count to five. However, there weren't many women, so there were six guys, <laughs> and there were three women. So all of us women, we did every round. So we did nine oh, rounds. The guys come <laughs> in and out every time. But that's that's where it comes to the mental game of endure, just endure, just do this, yeah. just en endure. And um, wow. so yes, yeah, so it was it was training for tournament conditions, um, and it was it was fun. It was a new thing. It was really hard on the marshalling brigade as well because not only did they have to count the hits, they had to work out 
throw. So that was a real exercise for the Marshall Brigade as well um, yeah. about how to do how to do their counting accurately with speed, um, and then also how they signal um, across the list about um, if if a person saw if, um, something that was good on one side but it wasn't clear on the other, how would they make those decisions? So even the Marshalling Brigade got to work out as well about trying to see things um, and line marshals just like you know when you would you when you do like soccer and 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 um, rugby yeah, yeah. the line marshals were trying to run but also not crash into each other so you know there were there were it was it was yeah it was it was a good it was a good thing to do and because we mixed up so not every club had the same and you know that could could it could enter a team you mixed up clubs which means you were fighting not only against people you're not used to fighting against you were fighting with people who you're not used to being paired up with so that that was also interesting so you've got to be agile not only with oh my goodness I've dropped my axe run back oh they're giving me a (laughs) they're giving me a sword all right I need to be good at a sword all of a sudden suddenly you're like why did you do that move I was right here they were open like how do you communicate with your team member with your helmet in with your mouth guard on like that you've perhaps not practiced, you know, like not trained with, mm. like as a fighter, you, 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 un- you all understand the rules, but people make different decisions based on what they think is probably a criteria. Like, for example, like they were open, but my opponent, sorry, not my opponent, my team member was like, yeah, but you were holding them. They were no threat. Like damn it! Uh, right. hey. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so they were trying to neutralize the other threat. I was like, oh, okay, I get that, but I wish you'd somehow signaled that to me. <laughs> so, so, okay. so, that, so that is where the team aspect of H and B comes in as well, because there is the the melee aspect of it. You've got a team that you know sometimes could be wonderful fighters, but are a crap team. Um, you know, and, and it's the it's the team that works together can can follow their um, can follow their instructions both on and off the field about where to place themselves, how to work. Um, that that is the that are successful teams. So you find that the the teams that dominate are the ones that can train as a team consistently. Um, and I just said right. that you know, New Zealand is 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 pulled from all parts of the country are jet lagged as hell. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's just say that New Zealand not dropping in the rankings is quite good. <laughs> try it. We, but, we try, try our best. <laughs> well, well, okay. Clearly, this 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 is the thing you were born to do. Really, obviously, because it's it, it's in your blood in a way that is quite extraordinary and lovely to listen to. Uh, I think that we should probably wrap up at this point because. Um, we're we're a little over time already, and that's great. It's my show; I can make it as long as I want. But um, I, th- I think I think we'd better wrap up at this point. So, thank you very much indeed for joining me today, Dana. It's been great. Thank you, Guy. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Dana Bergen Wyman. Remember to go along to guywindsor.net forward slash podcast for the episode show notes. And if you sign up to my mailing list there, you'll also get a free copy of Sword Fighting for Writers, Game Designers and Martial Artists. Special thanks, as always, go to my wonderful patrons on patreon.com forward slash the sword guy, whose generous contributions keep the microphones running. 
And tune in next week when I'll be talking to James Hester, Dr. James Hester, in fact, about damage to sword blades. I met James when he was researching his PhD and needed to have a look at the damage that um, blade contact does to sharp swords. So he came around and we dinged some machetes together, which was very exciting. And he now has his PhD where he was basically looking at how the damage to weapons can inform us about how those weapons would have been used. Fascinating stuff. You don't want to miss it. So remember to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. And while you're there, if you wouldn't mind rating the show and even giving it a review, that would be marvellous. It really helps spread the word. And of course, if you've enjoyed this episode, remember to share it with your friends. A pleasure shared is a pleasure doubled. I'll see you next week.